Philadelphia. My name is Dave Urio. You can find me at fat underscore lobster. I am joined by two googly-eyed monsters, <laughs> Chuck and Gene. What's up, guys? Hey, Dave. It's uh, Chuck Siders. You can find me on Twitter at Chuck Siders. You can find the show on Twitter at Podadelphia. And I'm Gene Zelak, and you can find me on Google Hangouts. <laughs> nice. And you can find the Eagles um, not in first place anymore. No. You got a 500 football team on your hands because we just lost to the Tennessee Titans. How are we feeling? How are we feeling about this, guys? We got a point in the stand for the overtime no. loss. Not, stop with the hockey. We're football now. Uh, the first thing I just want to say about this game is, you know, you can we stop with the the uh, notion that we are a juggernaut football team right now? Like, I, I don't we, – we shouldn't be discounting any team in the NFL as being a, a subpar challenge for us. Uh, we this team needs to take every single game like a dogfight because the fan base right now is, is just kind of poo-pooing these teams and i know we're already looking around the uh, the nfc east looking at the giants looking at the redskins and the cowboys all we're all f- considering them inferior teams right now and uh i'm not sure we have a, a lot of self-awareness about where this team actually is so you're saying no, we're I- not we're not going to get fat on the uh on the division this year? Is that what you're saying? Gene, I know you talked about the Rocky three analogy, and this was the most, the Rocky three-iest <laughs> game we've had yet because we got, Doug, Doug got dugged in this game by a, 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 a gritty, not to, uh, you know, invoke any spoilers here, a, a gritty, aggressive, young head coach that just seemed like they wanted this game more at the end of the day. I mean, am I wrong? No, you're right. You're right. It's man, does that Super Bowl afterglow go away quickly? You know, the first, you know, the preseason, first three weeks, whatever, everything was fine. After this week, it's a real come to Jesus sort of feeling here that it's like, oh, well, you know, you're like you said, Dave, like we're just not going to, you know, march our way through this. If we want to, you know, if we want to win, if we want to get back to the playoffs, even I'm talking about back to the Super Bowl, back to the playoffs, we have to show up and win some damn games, make some big stops, you know, you know, get seven points and not three points or three points and not no points. You know, it's it really. It was a it was an awakening, this game, this game went, oh, shit, you know, we have to actually play where this is not just going to be a coronation of the divisions ours and we'll see in the playoffs well we were we were lazy we were sloppy we took the easy way out uh in a lot of ways in this game um doug uh reverted to some sort of like crazy andy reed disciple uh with 50 plus passes he called 54 pass plays yeah, that was insane and very out of characteristic for the way this team win, especially late in games when it's really looking to put somebody away. It hands the ball off and it gets yards in chunks that way. And I was really surprised, in the, especially late in the game when we did have a lead, not trying to chew up some of the clock. We're running it down the throat. I mean, Tennessee's got a good defense, but we were moving the ball on them on the ground. There was really no reason to abandon that at all what what was our uh how many how many rushing yards yes we were uh we're getting 5.3 yards per attempt 
And I have running the football. I have and that's my, what he hung his hat on in overtime. I have my in my notes at least four different places. Uh, Smallwood running tough. Um, uh, Ajayi uh, tough yards. Uh, Ajayi running hard. Uh, Smallwood uh, big run. All over the whole game, there was never any ploys, uh, any point where I remember being like, "Man, the the running game just does not seem effective any longer." My only, and maybe this is a crazy conspiracy thing, was were they trying to spare the running? I mean, because we're so running back light that they were trying to not use them in in an event that they were going to get one of them busted up. Uh, I know Ajayi's back. I think he actually has a fracture in his back. Like, are they really, do they have him on a pitch count, essentially? Is it like he's got 15 carries and that's all we got for the game for him? Or what's going on? I have no idea with with, with how they're they're using these running backs. You know, that that uh, conspiracy theory makes more sense than anything else I could come up with, but it doesn't really work in football. You know, you only have 16 games. Every week matters in football. That's why so many people love it. That's why it's, you know, our, our number one sport here is because every game matters. You can't just go, you know what, our, our running backs are pretty dinged up. Let's let's not rely on them this week when they're being effective and our, our passing game was nothing to write home about. You, I mean, the, the mindset makes sense, and that's the first thing when you said that, Gene, I'm like, okay, maybe they really were doing that, but you can't afford to do that in the NFL. You can't give up any game. Dave, how many times during the broadcast did you hear them say, well, Wentz doesn't have all his weapons. Uh, Wentz, Wentz doesn't, you know, he, he's going to be better when he has all his weapons. Did you feel at any point that they were unable to move the ball? Did you feel that there was any point where they didn't have options offensively? Because I felt like they had good production from wide receivers today. I saw Alshon Jeffrey had a great game. I thought they had really good production out of both tight ends, or at least were both tight ends were effective. Uh, Dallas Goddard didn't really get involved until late in the game. And I thought all the running backs looked good. So I didn't feel that we were lacking for talent. The only person I felt had a bad game was Aguilar, Aguilar with those two drops, two huge drops. Those are those you can't have that. You just you just can't have that. Um, but even Jordan Matthews with a huge touchdown catch. So I, I don't buy into the 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 thought that this team doesn't have its offensive weapons right now. Um, it's it's executing. It's execution that I feel is lacking. It's not a lack of talent on the field. I mean, first off, I, what weapon what weapon is missing? Because unless unless we're making a trade or I don't know signing Des Bryant or something, the this these are the weapons. Right, that, I agree with you. I no mean, one's coming back. Darren Sproles, forget Darren Sproles. And Chloe That's Clement the, not is happen. not is not a weapon. He's a he's a nice running back, but there's nothing that Smallwood and Ajayi couldn't do that Chloe Clement would have been able to do today. Okay, so well, all right. So let's get into this. We talked about the 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 pass rush ratio issue, and now can this be a la the Chiefs game last season where the O line basically? pushes Doug Peterson up against the locker and says, you're going to run the football. And then he starts to run the football. Like next week, are we going to see like 45 rushing plays? Who do we have next week? The the Vikings? The Vikings. Game of the week. I feel like you have to run on that team. I feel like you're not going to win that game trying to drop back because they have a nasty pass rush. You're going to get Carson smushed. Not Carson Wentz. Carson smushed. What's that, Chuck? Uh, Nothing. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, let's talk about that because, you know, going into this season, our offensive line has pretty much been heralded as the best in the NFL. We're one of the best in the NFL. Certainly one of, yeah. 
I mean, would you consider them one of the best in the NFL? Not the, they the weren't post here. They weren't today. They definitely weren't today. And here's my biggest problem with the offensive line. It's a big, my biggest problem, I think, with the team in general. And you tell me whether you guys agree or not. They still get penalized way too much, and a lot of the stuff that they get te- penalized for is just stupid stuff. Because, like we were saying last week, th- when they play the replays, the calls are there. These are not bad calls. Uh, the holding calls are there. The the pa- the pass interference calls are there. You know, there I were, thought officiating was good today. I thought officiating was surprisingly good today. I thought it was uh, pretty evenly handled. But how many drives did we stall or put ourselves in second, third, and unmanageable because of five yards here, ten yards there? How many second and holding did we you know did we end up with how many first and 20s how many first and 10s did we blow because we we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't not get penalized well that's a weird thing i feel like this team does penalize in bunches so it'll be like a holding penalty and then the next the next play will be another hold or a personal foul or a false and now start. all of a sudden you're looking at second and 30 they had that third and 21 early in the game. They had a play drawn up. They Carson Wentz put a ball on a seam right in Aguilar's hands, and that was that first big drop. And the thing that was killer about that is you had just gotten the ball back from the Titans doing the exact same thing. They had had a, a, a play that would have converted it to a first down, and they had a big drop, and then we, we follow it up by doing the same things ourselves. It felt like both of these teams in places lacked concentration. That was something that I noticed a lot with the Eagles is they would go out and there would be certain plays where they would, you know, they would be in the right place at the right time and, and there'd be a drop or uh, an overthrow or they'd make a penalty. These, these are all focus issues, I'm feeling. Besides being undisciplined, we're, we're undisciplined on the field. We've, we've undisciplined play calling and we just abandon things that work. I don't get it. I just don't get it. That that pass to Ertz in the middle seemed to be there whenever they wanted it. Right. They could have just marched up the field. And when Ertz wasn't open, Goddard was. I mean, between Ertz, Jeffrey today, and the running game, this game should have been no problem. Right. Yeah, Jeffrey seemed like he no could— way you, anybody's going to convince me that the Tennessee Titans won this game. That's I mean, we had to do everything we could to help them do that. That, that's well put because on, on the offensive side of the ball, we we looked like we could have done where the hell we wanted. We didn't. You know, we, we didn't. There were so many stalled out drives or big drops or whatever, but, you know, it was efficient moving the ball. Short pass, run, short pass, long pass, you know, whatever. It looked like we should have been at 32 points. You know, at the end of four quarters and not 20. The defensive side is what intrigues me. You know, our, our, our bend but don't break defense, like, did that hurt us? Like, this week, you know, has our, you know, our penchant to give up a whole ton of yards but not that many points, did that really screw us over today or no? You know, we always were talking about how when you get down low, uh, it kind of neutralizes speed, which they – Again, we got crushed on again today. How many times could they have thrown the ball deep on us? Uh, they would have hit like four bombs on us if their receivers had caught them. Uh, and they did hit two, two huge plays. We were always talking about how we, we neutralize speed down low. And what I feel like 
they were able to do, especially in, in the fourth quarter in overtime, they would switch to these run plays, these kind of off-tackle uh, counter plays that seemed to be the way to muscle and pull our guys back up again. I feel like other in other games, the Atlanta game calls to mind, they just went in there and they tried, tried to just throw darts in and down deep. This team, Tennessee, for some reason, they kind of must have been watching and, and learned something and said, you know what? Let's try and 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 go off tackle. Let's try and get those uh, defensive ends going laterally rather than straight on. And I feel like that's why they, they were effective because I feel like they just – we got out coached down low. Well, Mariota uh, definitely, I mean, played a part. I mean, he his ability to just get that extra couple of seconds – um, you know, with his mobility and everything. I mean, there were a couple of plays. That one first down that he ran for was just oh, absolutely crushing when he like kind of pump faked and then and the hooker. That one was just such a a backbreaker for us. And we've played so nothing but sta- give him a lot of credit. We played nothing but statues so far. Matt yeah. Ryan is not is not going to outrun anybody. I mean, Fitzpatrick was was playing with a leprechaun up his butt or something. I don't have no idea because the real guy showed up today. And he got replaced by Jameis Winston. So that seems to have worn off. And uh, Andrew Luck, maybe the definition of a statue right now. I mean, it had to be yeah. substituted to throw that bomb at the end of the game. So this was the first quarterback we saw that had a whole different dimension to his game. And, and I just looked it up because I was curious because it felt like the Titans had the ball whole, whole hell of a lot. But time of possession, they only had it... For a minute and five seconds more than we did. They had for 30 minutes, thir- 35 minutes, 30. We had for 34 minutes, 25. But it, it just felt like they had long, sustained drives. You know, whether they scored or not, it felt like we're giving them the ball and let's see what the clock reads when we get it back. There was at least which... three times where we pinned them down inside the 10 and they were able to come right off the line and yeah. move it out to the 30. And I think that's exactly what you're talking about, Chuck, is that's why they felt like those drives were long because, you know, you've got to run – you're running two or three plays and you're, you're at midfield, you know, and it feels like they're chewing up a whole bunch of the field. To, to piggyback off that is I think also the perception of – there were so many drives that were done in my head before they were actually done. Like going, okay, third and long here, they're not going to get it, or the fourth downs – no, they're not going to get it. I was already moving on to the next possession. It was just, it just seemed like we contained them enough that they shouldn't have been getting the first downs that they did. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't talk about this yet, but um, you know, the McLeod injury uh, is pretty, is pretty devastating to the secondary because I'll tell you what, Corey Graham today looked like a bag of turds out there. What is the solution? to stopping the bomb we have just been every single game i don't know how any offense coordinator that has us on the schedule now isn't sitting there drawing up post patterns to just run on us at will double move double move because it doesn't seem like we have any idea what to do to stop that we have no answer for it. These guys that are on Tennessee, did did you did they have a rep for being speedster deep threats? I've never heard of these guys. Well, they lead the league in rushing coming into this game, I this think. This is a team that had two touchdowns before uh before today. Two touchdowns. I really thought that this was going to be there was no way that either team was going to was going to sniff 30 points. Yeah, I believe they they mentioned that it, it had been 
with like eight quarters or several quarters since they they scored a touchdown even. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, and again, it's another one of those our defense on the road bugaboos. Yeah, we no, have, we are we are very different. We're like a very different team on the road. I don't know if it's the crowd noise. I don't know what it is. We have to figure out a way to either we've got to get to the quarterbacks faster so that these guys just can't get downfield. I, I'm yeah. just trying to think well, of the ways that you when solve. I, whenever I listen to whenever I listen to defensive coordinators or analysts talking about um, you know secondary, it, it's all position. You have to be in the correct position to make the play when you're not in position you're trying to do these things to make up for not being in position and i mean it just seems to me that you know aside from malcolm jenkins who had a who i thought had a good game today besides the the overtime penalty but other than that he had a i thought he had a really good game today yeah, he, and really he actually played game. a really good overtime right um as well i made a couple of great tackles that saved that just staved off the inevitable i guess yeah. um but it just seems to me that the Green Goblin is always out of position, and you know, I, I, I seriously, I, dude, I don't care that your hair's green or you know what, whatever. This, this stuff, these passing, totally set up the first Tennessee touchdown with that ma- another massive pass interference penalty. And was it not totally predictable? Was it not totally predictable to the point where they made an they made a an observation that basically Mariota. Basically, that was the play call was to walk Jalen Mills into a pass interference. They basically so the said deal. that Mariota watched, waited for that to develop, and then threw the pass at it because they can count on Jalen Mills to make the to, to hold there or to, to put his hands on the guy there. You run the pattern at him; he'll put his hands yeah. on him, and it's you'll get where under you in the throw fire. it. Yeah, get him out of position. So here's the deal, right? The way the Eagles play defense, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the way they have it set up is you know Mills is on one side, Darby's on the other. And then that's their side. They don't follow receivers or no one's on the one and someone else is on the two. It doesn't seem that way. Right, right. So you can manipulate it however you'd like. You run the double move. And I think the the word is out. I think there is a bullseye on Jalen Mills every game until either this gets figured out or or he gets replaced. You can basically – I mean, you. I should take a prop bet, you know – at what minute in the third quarter are they going to throw an out route at Jalen Mills inside the 10-yard line? Because it happens uh, every game. Yeah, I mean, I think the over-under for pass interference penalties on this guy has got to be two a game. Easy. Easy. He averages two a game. Easy. Ah, it's so frustrating. And Darby so had a really good – Darby did make a decent play on a on a deep ball, I think, in the third quarter as well. Was that a case of that he was out of position and was able, using his speed, to to gain ground? I don't think of either of our guys as speed guys. When when do we make a make a move? When do we when do we make a decision to try somebody else on the outside? You know, is Jalen Mills Tomorrow. really the best option? In all honesty, he must be because if he wasn't, he wouldn't be right. I mean, you, I, I'm I'm thinking that maybe Sidney Jones either isn't fully recovered from that injury or they he's just not what they thought he was going to be because i i would i would have expected him out there by now i really think that they are scheming for these these plays they're probably running that pattern at him a half dozen times just to find them you know waiting for him to do it they're they're baiting the hook incomplete there is no downside for the offense but i mean i feel like the book is out on this guy yeah i agree because otherwise it wouldn't happen with such regularity. 
Well, I was going to say, not only are you know opposing offenses uh, offenses looking for it, you have to think the refs are keeping an eye out for it. You know, if the guy's getting called for pass interference constantly, he's not going to get away with one. And how great a defender is he when he's not taking the pass interference penalties? So there's no disincentive to throw his way. And while, while we're on Jalen Mills for the moment, can we not celebrate when the opposition just drops it? <laughs> There's like a 60-yard bomb that you got beat, and the opposing receiver drops it. Don't I mean you know you're acting like you did something on that play? You didn't. So stop celebrating. You get Try to celebrate break. when you get a pick six. Break it up. That's yeah. when that's when you get a, you get to celebrate. Or if you bat a ball down on a third down to turn 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 the ball over. Otherwise, there should be no celebrating. You get you well, get a get a sack on a on a corner blitz, fine. But otherwise, no dancing. Can we get an honest celebration, like a like uh, you know wiping his <laughs> brow, like whoo got away with that one, or like shrug, like <laughs> like like that's the like dumb luck you know smirk. <laughs> I mean, I'd love that. You know, it's just like fingers yeah, crossed that would be good. back in the huddle. Whenever the ball's thrown his way, literally the other 11 guys in the other jersey are all like throwing their arms up for the flag before the ball hits the ground. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of that, Tennessee scored a touchdown and they did the bowling ball bowling celebration. Can we retire that? Can we just get that out of the league? It's not original anymore. You didn't think it up. It's kind of lame. Am I alone on that? This one makes me angry, that, the bowling ball celebration. No, I'm with you, Dave. I mean, it, unless, like, and I want receipts. Unless the team, like, goes bowling. Like, if it's, like, their favorite pastime, then, yeah, do the bowling ball celebration all the way. Oh, my God. So I think that the next time that Wentz and Matthew score, like, they should do the Bible study? Like, if they hook up again? Like, <laughs> they, like... Plop a squat down in the, the end zone and read a couple verses because that's what the two of them do, right? Oh, Can we have a really stop. heated Bible study? Stop. I like their business as usual celebration. That's a good one. We don't see it enough. The business as usual is good, but and uh, also I would I I say the sack celebration is superior to the touchdown celebration every time. Always has been. I love the sack dance. And I feel like that it because it like feels like it naturally flows into a dance when you sack a quarterback. Yes. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why defensive linemen are so upset with these these rules right now is because it really cramps their their style when they're trying to protect themselves from not like pulling a hammy from having to lay Aaron Rodgers on his butt. I love a 350 pound man just like working it out there on top (laughs) of a downed quarterback. I think it's great. it's also the fact that you're dancing over like <laughs> your opponent that's been defeated. You know, touchdown, celebrating that we won. Sack, celebrating that you lost. Yeah. You know? It so is like celebration doesn't... in its purest form is like my, my foe has been vanquished. It feels like exactly. probably that is the oldest ritual in the game, you know, going back to Roman gladiators. All right. <laughs> All right, so we're up 17 to 3 and this game somehow goes to overtime. So let's talk about the overtime because man, for I I just walk around my house all all afternoon saying 4th and 15. 4th Look, and we 15. we should we should say for the listeners that no ta- uh, coffee tables were hurt in the making of this podcast. No, I watched it in a coffee table free room. 
it was I'm in a I was in a, like a cement wall basement. So I was pegging the wall with a uh, like a uh, my kids have a like a, a basketball set in here, like a nerf, not a nerf one. It's got a bouncing ball. I was just pegging the wall with that basketball. So kind of like the great escape, so, well, like the great escape. Yeah, kind of. That's yeah, yeah exactly like that, actually, <laughs> Except with more violence to it. Fourth and 15. How do we let this happen? Uh, I don't know. I was watching that play while trying to get my son ice cream at the Phillies game because a whole bunch of people went to the Phillies game to watch the Eagles game. And I guess I can't complain too much because I just ratted myself out for doing the same. But we were in the area near the kids zone, like trying to get my son ice cream and just every so often screaming. You know, but that fourth and 15, it was it was like, OK, the area is going to clear out soon, buddy. Like. Once once the Eagles make this stop, we'll be able to get our ice cream. And, like, they don't. They get the first down. I'm pissed off. He's pissed off. Nobody's getting ice cream. But it was incredibly frustrating. It was an incredibly frustrating way to watch a loss where you're trying not to lose your shit and you're trying to entertain a three-year-old at the same time. Corey Graham, man. What was he doing on that play? I don't think he was anywhere near where I mean like that looked like it was pretty wide open that play. That was one of the one of the easiest conversions you'll ever see on fourth and 15. I mean seriously. And there was wasn't really a lot of pressure. I don't know. I, oh, that, oh, that one was so disappointing. That one was so disappointing. So uh, wait a minute. We, so go ahead. on our first drive in in overtime, we were running the ball right down their gut. And then all of a sudden we stall. What did we have? A third and twelve? Was that because of a penalty? Or did we... well, they stopped us once? So they okay. um, we we got a first down. Then we ran it again, uh, and they stopped us for a two yard loss. And then it was so then we then we pass pass right? Yeah. yeah. We wouldn't want to run again on second and twelve, right? Because that had been working. So pass pass. These the new rover to- time rules. I feel like. To a certain degree, the side effect of the way these rules have been is almost like it it behooves a team to almost play for a tie in a way. Like there was a there was a certain amount of feeling when Tennessee was coming across midfield there that it was going to be inevitably be a tie. Um, and we've kind of seen quite an increase in ties this year. Uh, and then we had how many games went to overtime today? Another four games went to overtime today? Or was it or was it five? Parody, the, man. The the Colts Parody game went to overtime. Uh, our game went to overtime. I think the Browns and Raiders went Browns to overtime. Browns and Raiders, yeah. And I feel like there was one more. You know, after we got the three and the the Titans get the ball, it's almost as if they get an extra down. They, they're they automatically going for it on four. Yeah, they're all in. Yeah. Well, and when they're not in field goal range, I mean. But it seemed to me that Vrabel was not playing for a field goal at any point. There was two different times that they could have kicked that field goal and they were like nah we're gonna go Well, i think the first two the fourth and 15 they they couldn't i think they were on their side of the field the the fourth and four i also think that they were not in field goal range i think they said it was a 50 yarder but i guess their kicker doesn't have much of a leg i think his career long is like a 54 the fourth and two um they definitely could have but i mean they would have given us almost two minutes left there yeah, and I think that's re- another reason why you're seeing so many ties is that taking that five minutes off of the overtime basically gets you two like with sustained drives, it's going to be two drives. That's it. Right. What one thing, and th- this may may have people disagree with me, but I would rather have a loss than a tie. I I, I just don't. 
It's like kissing your sister. Like I just do not like. I, just do I not would like prefer Tom. the Eagles to be two one and one rather than two and two. But, but I hear yeah, I, you. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I'd prefer the tie. I mean, especially like you said earlier, Gene. There's been so many ties this year. You know, most years if if you tie, you're one of two teams in the league that have tied that year. And it's just sort of, well, it's a loss unless you're, you know, neck and neck with the team. Then it's kind of a win, you know. So, but this year, no, bring on the tie. Uh, I'll take a tie. Am I putting uh, Am I putting too much stock into this whole Doug effect thing? Or, you know, if Doug doesn't win the Super Bowl last year, is Rabel going for it on fourth and two? Or is he just kicking the field goal and... and taking the tie i think that the nfl was headed this way and that the way that it worked for doug kind of gave a lot of people that really wanted to try this permission um to get it kind of past their fan bases that that this can work and i feel like this is the perfect team the the titans to to play this way they have the right quarterback for it they have kind of a the right defense for this sort of thing where they've got a really good defense that can kind of stand up. And if you give a team decent field position can make a stop for you. Uh, They have the right coach. Uh, He's a young guy that's willing to take some risks. So I think this would be a a really good team to institute that sort of philosophy. And I think that that's what we ran up against. It was a a mix of right team, right philosophy. And, uh, you know, I think that they really believe that they, are going to win their division. I think that they feel like they're a strong team in the AFC and um, that they're going to come after us. Yeah. Okay. So where, where where are we now? So the Cowboys won. They're what? Two and two also? Yeah. The Redskins, what did they do today? They're on bye. They're on a bye. Okay. And then the Giants, they lost. Okay, so we're not not in first. We're just tied for first. Correct. Woo. Great. Um, all right, we have. Uh, should we look oh, at the, Should we look ahead a little bit, or is there anything else? The only real other quick, th- real quick with this week, I just wanted to do the Philadelphia picks. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, we all lost the Eagles game. We all had the Eagles, right? We all had the Eagles. Yep. All right. <laughs> Chuck's Ooh. not on I'll, 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 you know, continue my great record. I mean, if you, if you want to make money, just bet against what I tell you to do, because I had the Dolphins, you know, plus seven. How can you turn down plus seven? Well, they would have needed what plus thirty-two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, thirty-one for a push. Plus oh, right, right, right. Win it. So um, the Pats destroyed them. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah, know, not even, Patriots not even. at home after an after an ugly loss. That's one thing Belichick and Brady are good at uh, recovering from, going home. Gee, and you, had, you had the Browns, right? I had the Browns, yeah, which ugh, frustrating. What happened? They so they lost in overtime. Right? I believe, yeah, I believe that they lost. I don't, I don't, I don't know that I saw the final because red zone See? cut out on me. That sucks. You were getting, uh, you were getting like two and a half in that game, right? Yeah, and I think we lost. By, I think they lost by three. three. Was was getting, getting three? As much three? Yeah, then it might be so I'm push. looking up the results right now. Oh, so then it was a push because be, Oakland be won 45-42. Yeah, then it might be a okay. push. All right, which, great. Which feels like a loss. Um, I had New Orleans giving something, but whatever. They friggin' blew out the Giants because the Giants are total trash. Yeah, that might be the way to go. It's just pick against the Giants. <laughs> 
Well, eventually the league's going to go. They're going to start getting like 16 points a game, and it's going to be like, oh, I should have taken. Okay. I should have taken the pack. That, you know, I felt like the Bills were. I don't know what they did to, to Minnesota two weeks ago, but I feel like that's the real Bills team. That, that was a do, that was a donut game for Minnesota. Because they had the Rams this week. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah. Well, yes. does that make you nervous now that they they've now they're coming off two losses, uh, a, an ugly loss and then a, a loss to the Rams that was somewhat respectable on the road? Now, you, you, I'm I don't like having to face a team coming off those two games, coming into our place. <laughs> no. Especially <laughs> like since, I said, since I, they I don't got a mad feel, on for us. I, yeah, I don't feel like we can be totally confident about facing any team on our schedule at, at this point. Do we play the Cardinals? Because I feel pretty confident about that. <laughs> no, we don't play the Cardinals. <laughs> I mean, it's going to start... We play the Giants after the Vikings. We do? Yeah, it's it's the Vikings, then um, a short week, and then we play the Giants on Thursday night, and then um, the 10-day break, and I forget who we play after that. But if we can somehow manage to beat the Vikings... Go in yeah. strong against New York and a nice ten day break to you know get our shit together. Yeah, yeah that that could be a real turning point in the season. But I think it's going to be a tall order to to beat the Vikings next week. Hey, I showed you guys that video of that brawl in uh, in L.A. Right? Well, maybe not a brawl, but that fight in the stands between the Rams and the Vikings fans. I don't remember yeah. seeing that. Did you see that? TMZ Sports um, carried it. It, it was on Potadelphia's social media page, so Gene did not see it. But <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, no, I was leave my flip say, phone alone. Yeah, I think that I think the issue is the uh, the Vikings fans is the, is the problem. They're real instigators. Yeah, I I would say that, but Dave, in describing it, like you gave Philly fans a bad rep. Did you see that brawl? Well, it wasn't really a brawl. I mean, a couple guys were pushing each other. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, if they, if they threw a guy down the section. I mean, if it, I don't know. I think you need more people for it to be a brawl. I, I'm just saying, I, I've seen worse between you know rival Bonner high school. Uh, I was gonna say rival Bonner. high schools in the 700 level because we were there yep. for that uh, opening day of a Phillies game, yep. um, <clears throat> of a Phillies season. Um, okay, yeah. Anything else about the Eagles we want to talk about? Carson wants us to stop uh, the sack fumbles. He's got to hold on to the ball. Oh, yeah. Hey, and I also saw a tweet today that I guess Titans fans were chanting, hit that leg. No mercy, Johnny. No mercy. Man, what a bunch of scumbags out there. Cobra Kai. Well, what do you expect from a head coach that got caught by uh, Bill Belichick? It's rude. It's rude. All right. Time to move on. Because (sighs) the Flyers unveiled their new mascot this week. (laughs) And he's awesome. It was. And we, I mean, we knew that a mascot was coming. We didn't know it was coming the next day. But we gave a fairly accurate description of Gritty on the the last show. You know, orange Muppet ripoff of the Fanatic. And I just want to say that I think think my guess of Trump was the closest. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, I mean, compared to any founding father, I, I guess, <laughs> I mean, any presidential figure or whatever. But I, I think what we didn't count for was just the madness of Gritty. <laughs> you know, the, the googly eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
yeah it, you know it's just a, a manic thing and the the mania and the gritty mania that has him appearing on the tonight show being spoofed on colbert and saturday night live uh as a guest on good morning america regular people not sports people not hockey people are talking about gritty that's insane. So that means like we have to totally embrace him now. We can't like opening night like he's going to get the biggest of ovation in the history of Flyers mascots. Well, I, I'll tell you what. I was 15 minutes in. I embraced Gritty. The first 15 minutes, though, were really awkward. Because I think I think my first reaction was like, my God, why do its eyes? Why does its <laughs> eyes move like that? <laughs> Which is perfect for like an abrupt stop on skates, yeah. Because like you know, sheet of you know snow, and then the eyes are doing the whole like wiggling around thing. It's awesome, and he looks like a hockey player like that just doesn't shave or like take care of his you know manscaping responsibilities. He's got the long red hair, the long red beard. You know, for a team with uh Voracek that previously had Hartnell uh Couturier and Giroux like he he could be any one of them really and I had a very similar reaction Dave it, they debuted him I'm like what the hell is this like what is this this is such a failure and then I, I think for me it was more like an hour half an hour going like oh it's so funny it's so bad that it's good and then an hour in, I'm like, I think just, I think it's just good. I think it's just like suits flyerdom, suits Flyers fans. You know, you may make fun of us, but you know we're insane and we love it. I, I am a full on uh, gritty lover. Yeah, I'm, he's already, he's definitely number two in the city already because. Swoop is no personality. Franklin, what the hell is Frank? Franklin's going to be replaced whenever. I just think you get these teams that have very clear, like, this is what your mascot should be. You know, it's like, you're the Dolphins. It's going to be a Dolphin. You're the Coyotes. Obviously, it's going to be a Coyote. You're the we Black Knights. It's going to be a giant lizard. <laughs> you have this ability just to get, like, like, let's get weird. So we do it, and it's great. <laughs> Hypothetically, a flyer is a pilot, but no one has used it that way in their history. So what's a flyer? Uh, a big fuzzy rage monster? <laughs> Go with it. I think that the His Twitter game is strong. Oh, too, it is. He is I... the most followed mascot in the league within an hour of in his existence. He threatened the penguins. Better sleep with one eye open tonight, bird. I'm... Follow you, Chuck? <laughs> What's what? Does he follow you? No, he does not follow me. I'm oh, Gritty follows me. Wait, wait. Knockoff Gritty or actual Gritty? Because no, knockoff verified, Gritty. Verified Gritty. No way. I'll send you the screenshot. I was going to say I believe you, but clearly I don't. Uh <laughs> <laughs> At least I think. Or is he not verified? Wasn't he like complaining that he wasn't going to get verified? No, no. Actual Gritty. Gritty NHL is verified. Like gritty with a couple extra Y's <laughs> follows me and probably follows you too. I'm looking right now. This is captivating radio as I call my friend a liar. Is is this basically some seventeen year old in his house that's like, I'm gonna be gritty with extra Y's? Yeah, the gritty with extra Y's follows Dave. And you no, don't even follow G -R -I -T -T -Y. Him back. 
but it's not at look at the, So okay, you, you look you're, at you're the at, right. I got doomed. If you look, if you look at the at, it's gritty. Why? 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 Okay, whatever. I got duped. I got duped. Leave me alone. Well, no, I think gritty only follows flyers, other NHL mascots, and I swear to God, Kim Kardashian. Well, wouldn't you? So What's I feel, I feel like there's a certain aspect to to gritty's appeal that is that regular folks, the uh, as we call them, I guess civilians, um, <laughs> seem to take pleasure in like calling him weird and ugly and stupid. And uh, it's certainly a case of, like, listen, uh, you can say mean crap about whatever you want to say mean crap about, but once you start picking on our guy, then he becomes something that we protect. Um, so I feel like that's why Gritty kind of was able to turn that corner, at least with the local populace. I don't know that he's ever going to be popular worldwide, but I will say that uh, for it's got to be the most hype-induced or hype-filled mascot unveiling that I can ever remember. What does that say about you as a person that you see this mascot unveiled and you immediately hate him? You're repulsed by him. You don't. Know, you didn't even get a chance to know him. You don't know what he's about. Yeah, how dare you judge a mascot by its looks? You know. They're all about entertainment. That, that you know, th this isn't a supermodel. This is a mascot. Yeah. What did you want? Like, what would you expect in a mascot? Like, what sleek design were you expecting? Were you? I don't know. Did you like, whatever something... it is, I'm gonna hate it because yeah, I'm they're... a diehard Flyers fan, and yeah. I don't think you should ever have a mascot. Thanks, Mary from Delta. Is that what we're getting to that. now? Yeah. Let, let's get there because I noticed um, something earlier. Uh, I was watching. Uh, Comcast, uh, well, I guess uh, NBC Philly, and I, I saw something about like single game Flyers tickets on sale, and tickets as low as thirty two dollars, which is pretty unheard of uh, for the Flyers. And they have tickets for thirty two bucks. They have a mascot, and they're doing promotional nights. They never do promotional nights. You know, they, they'll have maybe a one-off here or there or whatever, but they had a promotional schedule going out with the, you know, uh, Voracek Chia pet thing and a couple other, like, giveaways. I and that, that was really, cool. Yeah, I mean, no, no, it's great for the fans. Like, Gritty's fun. We spend a hell of a lot of time talking about them. Pro promotional nights are fun. You know, cheap tickets are fun. But it made me wonder, like... What the hell's going on? Like, are they worried about the the Flyers diehards dying? Like, are are they worried about the strength of the fan base? And I, you know, I just thought I'm like, hell, oh, well, maybe, maybe the discontent, the the sarcasm amongst you know Flyers fans of the oh, we haven't won anything since the '70s, and you know, teams all about grit and and toughness and not about winning, et cetera, et cetera. Like maybe they're, they're finally seeing that. And then I looked it up and I shared it with you guys. The attendance numbers went up last year. We were third in the league. Um, you know, the year before that we were sixth, which is low for us. Um, year before that we were fifth and then we were fourth, which is where we normally hang out. You know, usually second amongst American teams, maybe third. Um, but last year we were in third place in attendance and it's just, it struck me odd as to, they're doing a real push to 
to win over fans when the fan support is surprisingly still strong. Do you think that's a league mandate thing? Do you think that's an NHL thing? No. Or do you think that that's I, just the way that sports is being marketed now? You have these guys that are hired to do the sports marketing. They got to justify these jobs they have in these uh, in these organizations. So this is this is how teams do it now. The Sixers are certainly an up and coming team, and, and they do all kinds of uh, fan promotions and stuff like that. I feel like that that's one of the things that the Sixers are really good at. Well, well but see, that's what made me think. The you know on our special Phillies episode, I sort of said, you know, Philadelphia is not a baseball town. Philadelphia is a very big basketball town, but not a huge Sixers town. You know, the Sixers are good. People are going to go. They they want them to be good, you know, and they're going to follow basketball across the board, but there's not that undying Sixers loyalty like the Flyers and the Eagles have. Did so, you the, uh, Did you see the 538 article about the Flyers being the most mediocre, mediocre team? team? I mean, do you think that has something to do with it? It's just like... Eh, flyers are like doing their flyers thing. Maybe I, I'm. It's I don't really have an answer for it. I'm I'm wondering if it's the the Sixers are up and coming and exciting. The Eagles just won the Super Bowl, and there's some the murmurings of discontent, and the Wells Fargo Center gets quiet. It's that's it does it does get quiet in there, and that did not used to be the case. It used to be cheering. It used to be booing. A lot of let's go Flyers chants, but it was not quiet before. Do you think that certain things about the game that have changed have kind of tempered Flyers fans? The Flyers had a reputation for being the type of hockey that I think attracted certain kinds of fans. Um, I think that hockey itself is changing, and I don't want to be the guy that's like, well, you know, bring back fighting. But I think that there's a certain aspect that fighting goes along with. There was a certain kind of, uh, I don't know if you want to call it like a grinder mentality, uh, a, a a more thug mentality. And I feel like the game is, the game is getting faster and more finesse. I prefer that myself. Uh, that's the kind of hockey I like. But I know that people that are my, my dad, my father's generation, those guys that came up with the team in the, the 70s, their favorite players are like, Dave the Hammer Schultz. You know what I mean? Like, it's a very different... Um, yeah, back when you could just, like, will your team to victory. It's like, I am just going to... Were you hired a guy who, who could skate and punch? Like, that was why the guy got to the NHL. Well, the the Flyers have always had that contingent, and right now they don't. They, um, you know, Tyrell Goldborn probably be the closest, and he's back with the Phantoms. Um, well, you so, really can't waste a roster spot on that guy anymore. No, you can't. Not, nope. in, the, not in this league anymore. And, but even, even in the Broad Street Bullies years, the Flyers were an offensively driven team. The, um, you know, eighties offensively driven nineties, offensively driven that run in the middle of the two thousands and the dead puck error. Well, <laughs> nobody was scoring then. So that doesn't really count. Uh, 2010 offensively driven. The Flyers have never been a defensive shutdown team. They've never been the, we're going to win a game one, nothing. So I, I kind of think if there's a, a downturn in interest, it's people got what they were asking for. Um, Mike Sielski, uh, if I, I might be pronouncing his name wrong, but he wrote a damning article when they brought in Hextall, which is hilarious. Now 
because Hextall has completely turned the team around. But saying uh, they're doing everything the Flyers' way, and the Flyers' way is win now, and they're never going to be patient, and they're never going to miss the playoffs, and they're never going to do this and that and the other thing. And and it struck a chord with people going, yes, we can be patient. We'll wait. We don't need to win now. We don't need to max out the credit card to win. And then, you know, this is, I guess, year four of the rebuild, the soft rebuild. You know, we've made the playoffs in two of the three previous years, but there were we weren't attempting to win now. And now... It was just I, like I'm a nice, like, nice that that happened. Yeah, no, it was nice that it happened, but I, I'm wondering if that's what hurt the the fandom. I'm wondering if people went, well, we're not going out and getting that free agent. We're not, you know, promoting the young guy now. We're not trading away this pick, you know, to be in on the Carlson thing. You know, maybe that is what hurt. Well, we're it. doing we're doing that stuff now. Yeah, we're doing now it now. Now we got the big free agent. Now we're promoting the young players. Mm-hmm. And and I think I think between that and and this marketing push, I expected this story to be gone before it ever really began. I think the the quiet Wells Fargo and the wooing in the stands, you know, not connected to the play, I think I think that's going to fall by the wayside this year. So, don't you think that the that hockey fans, people that follow hockey that know the game, like the idea of that old style that that punch the guy, you know, if 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 your team's down three goals, um, you know that you know policing itself game. Don't you think that real hockey flight, uh, real hockey fans have kind of gotten past um, that style of hockey? That that's not something that people watch the NHL for anymore. That's really hard to say because I am as hockey a diehard as you get, and I'm an intellectual fan, and I love seeing the finesse play. I, you know, love the play of Johnny Goudreau and Austin Matthews, and you know, just uh, Connor McDavid, some real finesse players. But man, do I love seeing somebody punch in the face! You know, (laughs) like it's like. Yeah, I want to win seven nothing in a gorgeous game, but if we're losing three nothing, I want I want there to be fights. Well, so you're a Canadian, Chuck. That's yes, it. I, I, am. Um, I am. So, Chuck, what happened with the rosters? Carter Hart, right, made the big team. He did not. Damn it! No, he's he's back to the Phantoms. So uh, Anthony Stolarz is going to be backing up um, Brian Elliott uh, to start, and they also sent back uh Friedman and Myers so our defense is going to look pretty much like we expected it to look right now we're waiting on one last forward but the the lineup's pretty much set all right so what can we expect this year because what we dropped the puck what Thursday night Thursday night way late late, 10 o'clock nice I took off Friday (laughs) nice are we doing a post game show you wanna 2 a.m uh, no, I don't. <laughs> we'll do something sometime, but okay. not not that. Um, so I said Gene I, had like a look of terror over there. Also, <laughs> I don't work till eleven o'clock on Friday. Oh, that's tempting. Um, but so I, I went back and forth on this, but I I've gone back to my original prediction, and I think the Flyers are going to win the Metro this year. I think. Wow. Yep. So a three. What's what? 
So uh, we'll be a three seed? No, we're going to be the number one. We will you think we're the best division. team in the East? No, the, the division. Our division is yeah. called the Metropolitan so, Division. I, I know, I know. So what, what seed will we, we be in the playoffs? Oh, okay. Um, we'll, we'll be... It, it doesn't... We'll be the number one seed of our division. Um, number two behind... I mean, all right, I guess in that scenario, we'd be number three behind Toronto and Tampa. But since they right. do the division settings, in, in my forecast, um, we wouldn't face Toronto or Tampa until the third round. So might as well jump ahead to that. I'm saying that the Flyers will make it to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Toronto Maple Leafs, where we will lose. What? Oh my god, I'd take it right now. Oh, I would. And it's gonna be close. It's really hard to say. I think I think the Penguins, the Capitals, and the Flyers are gonna be neck and neck uh throughout most of the year. Um and it would take a little bit of luck, but I, I I can see that luck happening, you know. And yeah, I think we are equally as likely to make the Eastern Conference Finals as to go out in the first round. So I'm going optimistic and saying Eastern Conference Finals, winning the division. Uh, the final four would be Toronto, Flyers, uh, Sharks, and Nashville. Nashville goes on to win the whole thing. All right. W- wakeboarding Dave Haskell is going to uh, to take us <laughs> to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I I I was gonna say, oh, I, I hope they get like a a five or six seed. <laughs> well, I I mean they they could finish second or third in the division. I just think I expect Washington to get out to a slow start, and the Penguins are older and their roster isn't as deep. You know, either one of those teams could still win the Stanley Cup. You know, probably either one of those teams more likely to win the Stanley Cup than the Flyers, but I think we'll accumulate more points. I think uh, we'll have a beneficial first round matchup in the second round. You know, depends on the the Caps will have just played each other, and Flyers take advantage of that and go on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Gene, what do you think? Flyers making the playoffs this year? Oh, I think the Flyers are definitely a playoff team. Um. I think that the best team in the Eastern Conference is still Tampa Bay. Yeah. Um, they just there's nothing that's convinced me that that roster has gotten been slowed down any. Um, so I, I like Chuck's optimism. Um, I think that they're going to finish behind the Penguins in the division, um, but I would love to see a second round matchup with the Penguins. And I feel like, like anything else with the Flyers and the Penguins, it can go either way. Uh, but I feel like we're kind of due momentum wise. You know what I mean? I feel like it's the way that the cycles of karma work with this team. We're we're due kind of a run. It's been kind yeah, of a break fallow. Out, pe- a breakout we're kind of it's been kind of a fallow period, and that's the way that the Flyers kind of work. Is all of a sudden you get like kind of that rush of adrenaline, and uh, and they make a little run. It it feels like the kind of thing where we could end up like in an Eastern Conference final. The NHL is great. One of my favorite things about it is once you get into the into the tournament, anything very seriously can happen. The game itself changes, and uh, playoff hockey is my hot, favorite. Get thing. that hot goaltender that we never have. Well, but maybe this is the year we finally have the, have have some 
at least we have some places where we could see that guy existing. Maybe Brian Elliott is the guy. Maybe Stellaris is the guy. You know, we have some some bodies that could realistically be that hot goaltender. And we have a, a very good defensive core. And, and, and like we've been saying for weeks, they're going to run three lines deep. They're they're going to score. They're going to score goals. So uh, I, I'm really excited for the the Flyer season. It's probably the first time in a couple of years that I've been really jacked up for the game Thursday. I'm going to make sure that I'm home yeah, and yeah. set up and going to you know be ready to go at puck drop. And um, yeah, no, I think that what I'm really hoping for, which I think is going to set us up nicely, would be to come out and maybe you know in October be able to get like seven or eight wins, you know you know, really come out and put together a couple of like three game winning streaks and, and get points in most of the games in the month of October. That's what I'm really looking for. Win some shootouts this season. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Let's up those shootout win numbers. Let's go in, let's go in and get some points here in the fall. I think that's going to be important. And I would like to see us in the, you know, come Halloween, I would like to really see us, you know, in first or second place. All right. Gritty, Gritty's going to get us there. It's gonna happen. All right, two minutes. Let's do two minutes on the Sixers. Sixers played a team from Melbourne in the first preseason game. Okay, yeah, real quick. When I turned that on, I was like, "All right, who are the Sixers playing? Memphis?" I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, I was dumbfounded for like Mel Mel's Diner. Yeah, <laughs> going back to retro sitcoms with us. Okay. Um, so Markel Fultz hit a jump shot. And it looked and the, good, right? And the earth cracked open and devoured us all. Yeah, it looked good. It was an elbow jumper, and it uh, it looked nice. It didn't drop three feet in front of the net. No, and then he had that awesome, like, run back block on a breakaway. That was pretty cool. So Markel Fultz is going to be uh, the greatest thing ever, right? Well, he's the thing we've added to this team. He's the he's, – He's our free agent. He's the next uh, – He's the, the the thing that raises the temper temperature on this team. Uh, if if he's not good, if he doesn't add some spice to the soup, I feel like this team is going to flatline. You know, it's going to plateau. But uh, I'm I've liked Markel Fultz. I liked the pick when we made it. Uh, I think that he's going to be as advertised. I think this year is going to be we're going to see something special out of him. Hey, what did you think of the Ben Simmons? Uh... I want to see if I can describe the play. So it was a fake pass that he shot. Then it went off the backboard. Then he jumped up, caught it, and then he passed it to Fultz. Well, did I describe that correctly? It was crazy. That was pretty close. Trotters. I mean, I can see it kind of rerunning that replay. I think I watched the, uh, you know, the the boomerang of it or whatever you know where you can just watch it on a loop um i think i probably watched it like for like 15 minutes straight um but yeah that's exactly it that's what i was going to say it was like a harlem globetrotters thing it's like the kind of thing you would see you'd have to see scripted like people i've never seen anybody in a game even think to pull something like that off it's the only thing you could maybe you'd see that in an all-star game Uh, but the thing about ben simmons and this is another thing that could be uh beneficial for us is um Ben Ben Simmons is a star. Like he does something on the court every game that, and sometimes sometimes I say, I've never seen that before. I've never seen somebody with that yeah. kind of vision. Certainly never seen anybody in the, play for the Sixers that has that kind of vision. So I'm really excited to see him make more plays like that. Creativity. I think he's got a lot of a lot of creativity and imagination, and then just like the physicality to be able to do it. 
He's a, and he's a freak. I mean, like the guys. I love the guy. When I when I um when I look at the stats for a game, he's the only player, and and this tells me a lot. He's the only player that I ever I look at his assist line before his points. I want to see how many dimes he had, because yeah. usually his passes, they're way better than his points. All right, Chuck, you you covered the Phillies for us today, I think. <laughs> we have two. Uh, we have two. Uh, one game playoffs tomorrow. Two game one sixty threes. That's awesome. I'm so excited for this tomorrow. <laughs> that is utter chaos and like the but, baseball traditionalism. But all four of those teams but all four of those teams are making the playoffs, right? All four of those teams are making the, the playoffs? Well then they go on to like a one game playoff after this, right? It's like a series of one game playoffs. Like you have to yeah. win this is yeah, one so how does this work? So who are the division winners? Is the Braves? It's like actually getting an extra playoff round, essentially. So it's yeah, but the, the, the only, two teams that lose will be the wild card teams, right? And then they that go will on play each other. So the, so they're not burning their their aces in these playing games. I mean, I have this right, right? Oh, uh, both teams become the wild card teams. So yeah, the, the yeah, Braves so the, go the in. Cubs, the Cubs and the Brewers are playing a play in. Yes, and the Rockies and the Dodgers are playing a play in. So each whoever wins those games be wins the division. So those are those. Is there two wild card teams? Um, I thought only one. What there was only one wild card team. Oh, you're right. You're so right. one so of those teams is going to lose. It's whoever loses. I believe that the Milwaukee and uh, Chicago team will have a better record. Whoever wins. No, 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 no. There's two wild card teams. They play a one game playoff to then go on to the DS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So all four of those teams are in. I'm not wrong. At one point in this, there was a like a dual. Like there was just yeah. one wild card, and yeah. like five years ago or something. Okay. It's all um, very confusing. <laughs> I'm glad the Phillies have never been a wild card team. Just oh, I know, record. right? That was it's so much better just to shit away September and just not make it at all. I'd freaking hate to be in this position to be playing a one game playoff. Um. So all right, well, instead of doing World Series predictions right now, I'm just gonna say Red Sox or the field. Uh, Red Sox. I want Gene. the I want the field. Yeah, I don't. I don't th- I'm gonna. Here's my hot take. I don't think the Red Sox make the series. Yeah, I mean that would be like a typical thing, right? Like that team that just comes in there with like over a hundred wins just bows out in the DS. Look, the Phillies laid out a blueprint on how to beat that team. You just got to follow what Gabe said. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right. Well, so we covered everybody, you know, so that means there's only one thing left to do, and that's visit Chuck's penalty box. Our favorite segment of the week, our only consistent segment of the week is Chuck's penalty box. And Dave, we'll start with you. Dave, Ah! your penalty box. Okay. Ed Rendell. Is going into my penalty box this week because honestly, I've had enough. The man has basically given up on this Eagles post game situation. Today he's wearing like a a a blue uh, a blue polo shirt, like buttoned all the way up with a black suit jacket on that looks like he picked it up off of the floor that was like rolled up in a ball. His delivery seems like. I, I don't know. It, it's it's all over the place. The thoughts aren't really coherent anymore. I'm not really sure what uh, Rendell rules this segment is supposed to mean. Is he a judge now? Is he a what does he rule? Is he, 
He's not ruling anything anymore. I don't know. I'm just tired of Ed Rendell on this show. I feel like they did it for him as like a courtesy when he was relevant, but he's not relevant anymore. And I don't really think anybody cares about Ed Rendell. Let's get him off the postgame show. All right. The ex-governor is being indicted in lieu of a penalty and for overstaying his welcome and not adding anything to the postgame show. Gene, who is in your penalty box? I'm going to put Philadelphia Sports Talk Radio into my penalty box because there is nothing that has become more predictably bland, in my opinion. Um, You can almost write the scripts from day to day about what is going to be talked about, discussed, covered. And you basically know it's the same lame takes every day. It's the same. Yo, Cuz, what's your favorite Seinfeld episode? It's the same lame nonsense that is just day in, day out. Uh, there is just nothing compelling. I, you know, and I'm I'm just gonna be honest. I used to be a WIP or bust. I listened from morning show through the Phillies game, and it was it was all I did. Three years ago, four years ago, completely jump ship. Uh, I became a ninety five seven guy or bust. Um. And they basically have become this – they're basically completely uh, interchangeable at this point. Uh, you, half the time on the midday show, I can't tell even which station I am listening to because those shows are so familiar – like, sounds so similar. Nobody takes any kind of interesting take. Most of the callers still say the same dumb crap. Um I'm sure most of them are going to be calling to return uh, Nick Foles to quarterback tomorrow or some other lame, <laughs> dumb take. Um, so, uh, seriously, skip it altogether and listen to podcasts. That's the only way to get your Philadelphia sports fix anymore. Shout Ooh. out, though, to the Twitter user at uh, fake WIP caller because that's like the perfect satirization of both Philadelphia fans – and sports talk radio. I think it's a genius account. Oh, it is. It is. It's like the best Philly sports follow out there. It's the the fake takes. Like they're not even fake. They're like prescient. Like this <laughs> yeah. is going to happen. So no, definitely follow a fake WIP caller, and definitely follow when people don't even read the name and go, "This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard." I can't believe that you're really <laughs> like, brilliant. All right, so Gene, I'm going to say Gene's going down hard. He's going to uh, assess a game misconduct, a 10-minute game misconduct for death of a medium. He will hang up and listen. And my penalty is going to Blackhawks and Bruins fans for not selling out or even coming close to selling out the Bridgestone Winter Classic. What? Who wants to go? We have our choice of $85 tickets right now on sale the general public. No pre-sale code needed. Is that the game at Notre Dame? It, it is at the game at Notre Dame or whatever. <laughs> but at Notre Dame, <laughs> the game at Notre Dame, not even close to sold out. You can get whatever ticket you want for whatever price you want. You're not going through a broker. They're not being resold. They're not special promotion needed. You can just buy them. So anyone listening said, I've never been to the winter classic. Go ahead and buy it. Go see Notre Dame cheer on the Irish. 
uh, cheer on the inferior team to the Holy War, go Eagles. But you can go to the Winter Classic. The Stadium Series, those tickets have not gone on sale to the general public yet. You have to like buy a season ticket plan now to get them. You know, they had they have special promotion codes, but if you want, they only have individual seats left. That's you, our game, right? That's our game. So you're basically like, saying we're going to the real winter classic this year. I think so. I, apparently we are. So uh, I'm assessing a double minor, uh, two minutes to the Bruins, two minutes to the Blackhawks for uh, failing to promote a marquee event. All right. Well, that just about does it. Um, but before we go, uh, we got an iTunes review uh, that I'd like to uh, like to share with everyone because I thought it was really nice. It's from a um, friend of the podcast, Laura Szeski, Um, And she writes, I have very much enjoyed listening to Potadelphia and have incorporated it into my weekly podcast rotation. It is the perfect balance of relevant discussion and humor. You can tell these guys are great friends. Each has uh, his own unique style. But their conversation jointly has a rhythm, which is telling of a group of friends who have obviously talked sports for years. It's as if someone decided one day just to hit record and air the same discussions that have been ongoing for years. Well done, Potadelphia. And that is exactly what I think we were going for with this show. So thank you very much. And um, Little please... does she know, we met six weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes. We'll be happy to, uh, to read it on the show. Anybody got anything? Any parting words? Any wisdom to 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 leave everyone with for their their day at work today? Watch out for Zamboni snow, cause Gritty's gonna get you. <laughs> and we hope we hope you kind of we kind of made you feel a little bit better about the Eagles' loss, you know. Oh, and very seriously, the Flyers open on Thursday night. Let's get it's. I know it's gonna be late, but let's get that local TV, uh, you know, the overnight numbers up and show everybody that you know the Flyers fan base isn't dead. Good call, Gene. All right, everybody. Uh, have a great day at work. Your hair looks great today. Go ahead and kill it. We'll see you. We'll see you next Monday.